Have you heard of CCR? Everybody likes CCR, right? No doubt you'll enjoy this My Summer Layer episode all about CCR. That's right. Helium Comedy Club proudly presents their Coast to Coast Roast, a.k.a. CCR. Yo, welcome to My Summer Layer. I am Sam Yunin. And based on that weak introduction, I fully deserve to be roasted. Thankfully, this isn't a comedy roast about humans. We're all used to the roast of celebrities like Justin Bieber and Alec Baldwin. But what if you roasted cities instead? Kicking off on May 7th across eight nights, you can expect 16 episodes, 48 comedians from 24 markets who will represent their respective cities and roast one another's hometowns. This is going to burn. Some of the participating cities arranged by division include on the East Coast, Atlanta, Boston, Philly, Miami, New York City. In the South Central Division, you got Austin, Dallas, Houston, St. Louis. Representing the Great Lakes, you got Buffalo, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, Minneapolis, Toronto, West Coast, Denver, LA, Portland, Seattle, Phoenix, and San Fran. Tickets for the roast and more information can be purchased at heliumpresents.com. And the net proceeds are going to Mental Health America. So that's really cool. All right, put your hands together for my Summer Layers next guest. You've seen Pat Barker on Jeff Ross Presents Roast Battle. More than a stand-up comic, Pat's written for Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons on HBO and the Comedy Central Roast of Alec Baldwin. His debut album, Nice Jokes, came out in 2014. Originally from Philadelphia, he now resides in L.A. Dude went all Hollywood. Welcome, Pat Barker, to the mic. Hey, Sammy. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing well. How uh, How are you? I'm all right. I'm in Toronto, so we're just uh, like you, just chilling until this is all over, right? What is uh, What's your projection look like in terms of uh, things starting to open back up, or are you guys still waiting it out? Uh, a few more businesses are starting to open up uh, this uh, weekend. And um, but it's still a lot more like curbside things like that. Uh, so I think we'll be um, into June, July for sure. Uh, just kind of like um, underground, basically, like not seeing the sun or anything <laughs> until uh, uh, things kind of get going. So is it hard for you? You got a kid. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a two-year-old autistic uh, So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's actually cool uh, having in the quarantine because he has so many like virtual like therapies and school and everything it just sort of keeps me on schedule it keeps me from like just becoming a full-blown alcoholic you know yes. so that's uh that's nice yeah, yeah. I, I, do, you, do you have kids no i don't have any kids uh well i mean that's for the courts to decide but as far as i know i don't have any kids <laughs> so yeah i mean don't get me wrong there are definitely times during this that i was like oh i would have if i had to go through quarantine like i would prefer to do it when i was like single or like married but without a kid um because it's exhausting but like i said it keeps me, fo- keeps me focused which is nice mm-hmm. uh do you want to just get into it you ready to go let's go all right uh i want to start just a little while ago you recently celebrated a quarantine birthday what is a quarantine birthday like it was uh so the highlight of my quarantine birthday i gotta give a shout out to uh a couple of my friends that I, I've met through comedy and more specifically uh, roasting. Um, my friend Doug, 
messaged me early in the day. I went out for a drive with my wife. We went up the coast uh, just to, you know, see the ocean and get outside. And my friend Doug texted me and he said, hey, are you going to be home around 4 o'clock today? And I said, yeah. And then around 4 o'clock, uh, he texted me and said, you need to come outside. So I went out and I just stood outside waiting for something to happen. And he drove by and he rolled down his window and without stopping the car, he was slowly rolling through the street. He threw a piece of cake at me and screamed, <laughs> happy birthday, you piece of shit. He drove off. And just as I was figuring out what was going on, one of my other friends was trailing behind him in his car and he rolled down his window to also uh, yell obscenities at me. Um, there were a lot of people outside. Everybody saw it, including my landlord. My landlord was standing like 10 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. And now there is just cake all throughout the street. So I had to go and pick up the cake with my bare hands, just a mixture of, like, wet icing and gravel. It was, oh. uh, it was pretty great. It's yeah. a really good I think this is one of the things that, that's great about the quarantine is it's kind of brought out the best in people. If you call that the best in people, throwing cake at, at, at each other, sure. <laughs> I think that's childlike. I thought it was ridiculous. But, uh, <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you got to get creative. You have to. You can't. Just don't need a beer anymore. So you gotta you gotta come up with a, a creative plan B. Mm-hmm. And so part of that plan B is this uh, coast to coast roast, uh, because this is going to provide some laughter for people. So break it down for us. What is the coast to coast roast? So this is an idea that was the brainchild of Helium Comedy Club, uh, which operates in I believe four or five different cities now. Uh, I performed at Helium a lot uh, when I lived in Philadelphia. I came up through that club. And I live in Los Angeles now, and they reached out to me and said, hey, we want to do this, this roast competition. Um, we want to get 24 cities in it, two people per team, per city, and you're going to go head-to-head on Zoom and roast the other city. And I'm going to be honest, like, when they ran it by me, it seemed like one of those ideas, like, okay, 24 cities, like, I'll believe it when I see it, if you can coordinate all this. And they really did a hell of a job. They put us all in divisions. It's, I'm a big sports guy, so mm-hmm. it is very um, – it, it's very similar to sports in how it's structured. Uh, there's divisions, there's playoffs, and uh, yeah, it's just basically writing jokes uh, about other cities and, and just trying to be as mean and funny as you possibly can, and for a good cause because the you know proceeds go to uh, some mental health organization. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I was happy to see that. You know, so uh, it's it's nice to be able to say evil things and uh, you know raise some money for charity in the process (laughs) yeah and so as you mentioned you're representing philadelphia and the helium comedy club is uh, also in philadelphia so do you feel some added pressure uh like representing philadelphia but also knowing that the the comedy club that sponsored this is also in philadelphia is there some added pressure there no because i live in la now um so far uh removed that's why it's cool to sort of go back uh like through zoom Mm -hmm. and do this I'll tell you this, when you live in Philadelphia, and Helium is by far the biggest and best club, there is a ton of pressure every time you perform there at all. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I remember coming up feeling like you're sort of walking on eggshells. You don't want to have a bad set. You don't want to forget to tip the weights. You, you, you know what I mean? You really want to focus on all the little things that ensure that you'll keep working there. Because it's, in terms of supply and demand, the comedy is like there's a lot of comedians and not a lot of like A-plus rooms, which Helium is. So when I was in Philly, if this happened when I was in Philly, the pressure would be enormous on me right now. But I 
figure, you know, what's the worst that happens? If I, if I bomb, are they going to say, well, you can't perform here anymore? Like, I live, I live 3,000 miles away, so I, I think I'll be good uh, either way. But um, I, there is some pressure to represent, I guess, your hometown, um, to represent Philly. You definitely don't want to go out and, and get embarrassed, um, you know, in, in any sort of competitive environment when you're representing, like, your, your home city. Philly, especially, too, is notoriously tough. I mean, Philly's known for booing Santa Claus, booing and heckling Santa Claus. So that's a tough town to, like, play for, isn't it? Uh, it in, in, our, in our defense, it wasn't the real Santa Claus. I want to I throw that out there. <laughs> that's fair. By the way. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's legitimate. <laughs> the Santa Claus thing is funny because, like, that was, like, in and of itself, uh, very easily justifiable if you know the whole story. The whole story was Santa was supposed to appear at, at the halftime of an Eagles game, but the, the guy who was playing Santa, who looked very much like Santa, uh, his car broke down or something. He couldn't make it. So they had to pull some drunk, like, 18-year-old skinny kid out of the crowd. Mm-hmm. So he comes out, looks nothing like Santa Claus, starts egging the crowd on, and they pelt him with snowballs. <laughs> absolutely justifiable in my mind. It, 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 the judge would drop that case in a second. We've done so many, so much worse things. We've, we've done so many worse things than that um, that it, it, it cracked me up when people harp on that. Uh, it's like, God, can you like, catch up? Like, we, we threw batteries at a guy? Like, that's way worse. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yes, it, Philadelphia can be tough. So I certainly do not want to anger the locals by, by underperforming in, in, the, in this competition. Do you consider the whole trust the process for the Sixers as part of the the thing that you consider the worst too? Because there was a number of years of just like losing on purpose, just to like basically stockpile picks. I, I think it was brilliant. I think that if Kawhi Leonard, if your Kawhi Leonard didn't get lucky with the ball bouncing on the rim four times and going in, that I shot was crazy. Finals last year. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that clearly, it was a good process. Listen, before the process. I sat around and watched the Sixers get the sixth seed every year and lose the first round in six games every year, and it sucked. I gladly dealt with those five years to get to get Embiid and Simmons and get a, get a product that's at least watchable right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's kind of how you have to do it in the NBA. Your, your Raptors are an exception where they were able to, to sort of build and then go out and get the one superstar to put everything in. And then they lost the superstar, and they're still really good. But that's the exception. You know, most, you have to be able to get a, a couple of, like, big-time superstars and pair them together, usually, to, to have a shot at winning. So I'm, I'm all for it. But the problem is, in this roast, I can't go through a process. I can't tank this roast and say, oh, I'll be, I'll, I'll be better next year. Because, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully the quarantine's over by next year, and then this might end up being the only coast-to-coast roast. So I gotta, I gotta just go for it, you know, from the jump. You've also appeared on uh, Jeff Ross presents Roast Battle. Uh, Jeff Ross, of course, is a master level roaster. So, have you learned any techniques from him or from other the people that you've participated in in Jeff Ross presents Roast Battle? Oh my god! I mean, I have, I've been uh, before Roast Battle makes it to TV, um, which we got three seasons. I got to appear on two of them. Before that happened. A lot of people don't realize it's a live show at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles for a solid five years. Mm-hmm. And that is where I really made a name for myself out here and started getting work, consistent work, was through the roast battle. And that's how I met Jeff. That's how I got on TV. That's how I ended up writing for the Alec Baldwin roast last year. Everything that I have 
uh, in regards to, to comedy since I moved out here is, is roast related and it's tied in to Jeff and to that the roast culture. And uh, yeah, so it, all of that has taught me so much. I mean, I can't even, I've met all my best friends out here being just a great tight knit group of people. And then Jeff himself is just an absolute sweetheart. He's one of the, the coolest people that I've ever, I've ever worked with uh, in, in comedy. And he is just uh, very generous with, you know, his, uh, his time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, re- I remember one of the first pieces of roast advice he gave me because it took, probably took six or seven battles of me performing in front of him because he judges every Tuesday at the comedy store. It probably took six or seven battles before he really remembered me. And after my second one, I had a very up and down battle. The ones that hit, hit really hard, but I had a few bombs in there. And I remember I talked to him afterwards and he didn't really know who I was. And uh, he goes, uh, he goes, I'm going to tell you what Don Rickles told me. Mm. They only remember the home runs. He's like, everybody is walking out now and looking at you and they're going to remember the jokes you said that crushed. They're going to forget the ones that bombed. And it was like, wow, I am getting advice from the great, the greatest roaster of all time who got that advice from the other greatest, greatest <laughs> roaster of all time. Yeah. Got it passed down to me. So it's just like, yeah, it, it, to surround yourself with that, like it really, um, it helps more than you could imagine. So you mentioned like you did some writing for the uh, roast, uh, the Comedy Central roast of Alec Baldwin. Uh, and now you're switching and you're doing obviously cities for this coast to coast roast. So is there a difference in uh, approach in how you roast a city versus like a person? I know that sounds like an obvious question, but is there? Yes. Yeah. I, and, and frankly, it's not obvious because I didn't expect there to be that much of a difference until I sat down and started writing the jokes for this tournament. And I, I found out that the process is completely different. I mean, it starts the same. You figure out sort of what you want to attack, but, and, and part of that could be the Zoom element to it, the fact that we're, we're doing it over the computer as opposed to, like, on a stage. Mm-hmm. But I found my process to be very different. I was writing longer jokes with more uh, tags, more depth to them. When you when you perform a roast sort of on stage, you want to get in and out. The word economy is very important. You, you want the shorter, the better. And then in this case, I, I feel like the environment gives you a little bit more flexibility to sort of open it up and have some more fun with it and um, maybe try to hit two or three jokes in, in one turn all on like sort of the same subject. So I, the, the approach was way more different than I would have imagined. I thought it was just going to be the same. And then I started writing and everything was going differently. So uh, it was interesting. Your first battles against New York city. Is it intimidating or overwhelming? Cause when you roast a person, uh, like you were just saying, there's differences. So when you roast a person, there's only a handful of things. Like if they don't have a dad or something like that, you can <laughs> roast the uh, the fact that they don't have a dad growing up or something like that. The obvious things. With New York City, there's almost like so much uh, kind of going on. So it's like, is that kind of overwhelming to kind of like figure out what to like between the taxi cabs and Central no. Park? And... No, I'll take that any day of the week over a city where I have to really go digging. And, you know, I would much rather... If you're talking about New York, you can go after the, the, the obnoxious Italians. They're all over the place. Everybody yes. hates them. Yes. You know, you can go. You can go after the subway system. They've had their share of personal tragedies, mm-hmm. um, which are, is always a good good space to hit. I'm not going to talk about them here, but you guys know the ones I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great sports references to be made. Uh, I will take a, an overwhelming amount of roastable material versus some city where I have to dig and be like, 
So I was on Wikipedia and I found out the state bird is a cardinal and then like, you know, <laughs> yeah. go from there. I, I'd, I'd much rather just be like, and the other thing is like everybody's been to New York. Everybody knows what you're talking about. You can get up there and be like, dude, the subway sucks. And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it fucking sucks. I, mm-hmm. I hate it. So you don't have to like, there's not a lot of exposition. You don't have to explain, which uh, I'll, like honestly, Toronto is one of the cities that, is not on our regular season matchups, but we could face in the playoffs. And that's one of the cities where I'm like, I really don't want to battle Toronto because, all right, Drake, all right, Justin Bieber, sure. But then, like, then what? Like, everybody's friendly. It's clean. Mm-hmm. You know, people enjoy living there. Um, you know, free health care. Like, what am I going to do? Just, like, <laughs> like, shit on how good you guys have it? So, you know, I – I will gladly take a New York City over a, a less roastable town any day of the week. That's fair. You've mentioned you and I've already talked about sports a little bit, and you mentioned it again now. What came into your life first? Was it comedy or was it sports? I'll tell you this: I love comedy. I spent my whole adult life, pretty much since college, doing comedy, whether it's stand-up or writing. I'm making my living doing comedy now. I would drop comedy in a second. I would never touch a microphone again if it meant I could play slow-pitch softball professionally. <laughs> Sports is, is my life more than comedy. Comedy is a thing that I, I enjoy and I'm good at it and, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, if I could have a career in – there's definitely part of me that's like, is it too late to just become, like, a play-by-play guy for, for a team? Mm-hmm. And, and I would like, I want to look into that because sports for me has always been, like, my number one passion, like, since I was a kid. And – uh you know, it's it's great when I get the opportunity to, to combine the two. You know, I've written for a bunch of different sports roasts, which is always the, the ultimate, you know, experience when you can uh, when you can use that knowledge and your, your sort of skill set in terms of writing roast jokes to, to, you know, get something accomplished there. So I, I, I would love to do more of that, um, to be honest with you. Yeah, one of the things I, I found interesting in your career was you also did some writing for Any Given Wednesday the uh, Bill Simmons show on HBO, yeah. which unfortunately was not long for this world. So what was that <laughs> What was that process like? Because uh, that was a completely different animal. Like, that's not roasting. <laughs> I know Bill can be, like, sarcastic, and he was funny, and there was great moments in the show. Uh, but what was that process like? It was, a, it was a whirlwind, man. It was crazy. It was, um, it was strange. It was, uh, it was the best, like, six months of my life. I loved it. Because I, I had moved to L.A., and I'm trying to come up through the roast battle, and I'm getting little jobs, but I'm still very much full-time Uber driving and trying to figure it out. And I had done work for a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who got me a chance to submit a packet for this show, and next thing you know, they call me in for an interview, and I'm, I still have my expectations very low. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in for the interview, and about 20 minutes into the interview, uh, Bill comes in. And he sits in on the interview. And this is a guy that I've, I've seen on TV and, you know, the, the Internet for years. Like, he's famous, right? Yeah, Bill Simmons. So, yeah. So if you're, if you're a sports fan, like, you know who he is, right? So mm-hmm. he comes in and he's sitting in on the interview. And I had just had a roast battle the night before that I lost uh, when the guy hit me with an incredible joke uh, about my wife's miscarriage, which – for the record, my wife didn't find nearly as funny as I did. Yes, I can imagine, yeah. It, it, I'm telling you, it gets, it gets brutal. It gets brutal up there. But this was such a clever, creative joke that wasn't really mean. It was just perfectly executed. And they started asking about my background and, like, comedy, and we got into roasting. 
and I was, I'm sitting there in the interview, like, should I tell Bill Simmons this miscarriage joke? Is this going to work? Is this going to play, or is this a bad idea? Mm-hmm. And I just went for it, and I told him, and he almost fell out of his chair laughing. And they they <laughs> hired me like on the spot. So mm-hmm. thanks to that guy, yeah, for um for saying that brutal thing, it helped get me a job. And then the actual process of writing for the job, I loved it. It was uh it was definitely a tough assignment because it was a weekly show that was a half an hour, and like 20 minutes of that was devoted to interviews. So you had a room full of writers really fighting to, for, for scraps to try to get anything on the air. So that part was tricky. But the environment of like going from, you know, comedy, which is not a very high paying gig, to be honest with you, to all of a sudden you're in the writer's guild, you're making the minimums there, which are, are incredible. Um, and like, you know, they have a, they have a refrigerator. It's just full of Diet Coke all day, every day. Mm. You go drink one. And then you go back and it's been replaced. There's a guy who just replaces them. There's fucking like Cheetos and shit. It's crazy. So um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the entire experience. I know roasting is different than stand-up comedy. But when you're doing stand-up comedy, like Seinfeld is known for just sitting down at the desk every day and writing. Do you do the same thing too where you kind of sit and write or do you write the jokes on stage or is it a combination or how do you figure out your sets? Well, it's entirely different. You know, when I did stand-up, I never wrote anything. I would always just have an idea for a bit and I would go up on stage and I would do it. And then every time I did it, I would tweak something and I would sort of change it on stage. And my stand-up style was always more like observational sort of like storytelling. Uh, I was never like a set-up punchline kind of comedian. And then when I got into roast joke writing, it's the exact opposite. You have to like obsess over every word. You have to, um, like I said earlier, word economy. It's got to be short. It's got to be quick. got to be set-up punchline. You don't have the liberty of like, you know, working it out on stage, you know? Mm. So I just, I always try to do something to sort of keep me creatively going. Like I can't, if I'm writing a script, obviously I'll sit at like a, like a computer. But if I have to like write roast shows, I like to go for a drive. I like to go for a walk. I like to do something where I have something else going on and then I'll pull over if I come up with a good one and just put it in my phone and, um, you know, keep driving. But, uh, yeah, just sitting there and staring at a screen is, the so well picking up on that thread of driving you're you're now in la uh why what prompted the move from philly to la i had just done everything i could in philly in terms of comedy and um you know i i i always loved la i always loved california i always wanted to live here but it was more a matter of i moved late you know like ideally like you don't want to move in your early to mid-20s with a, you know, two to three years of experience under your belt. But I was scared. I was scared. So I, I, I waited till I was I had seven years under my belt. And I had been featuring at Helium for years, for a few years. And it's like, that's the apex. That's the, that's the mountaintop in Philadelphia, pretty much. So it's like, you just get, you have to leave. But I was scared. And uh, I remember on my 30th birthday, I was managing a CVS at the time. And uh, my 30th birthday present to myself was to, uh, to ask the district manager for a transfer to California. And once those words came out of my mouth, it was like, all right, now you can't take it back. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's done. The wheels are in motion. And, um, yeah, so I, I got out here a few months after that. And, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm insanely glad that I did. Uh, but, yeah, I just moved basically because there was, there was no other choice. It was either that or live with regret forever and wonder like oh what would have happened if you if you tried so i was like i gotta try so that's why i did it well that's good at least then the district manager kind of approved that he didn't throw cake at you so that's a better birthday isn't it he was a great guy he was a really really good guy i i i enjoyed working for him 
And, uh, you know, I didn't always have that experience with, with district managers. Um, but he was a really good dude, and he, he worked hard with a district manager out here. And then it just so happened I got out here, and that district manager uh, is an absolute piece of shit. Oh. Fuck that guy. Okay. I lasted maybe like three months in, in L.A. In, in the CBS world, and I was like, I got to get out of here. And I took some job at a warehouse, and then from there I kind of – went to i kept taking steps down in terms of how much money i was making mm-hmm. uh and then I, I i was uber driving but i kept taking steps up in terms of like how much like creative energy i had and uh it all ended up you know working out pretty good that's nice well speaking of people that are not very nice uh, are you currently watching the last dance oh so all right listen to this all right so about six or seven months ago, right? You know, and, and money's tight. L.A. is expensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got a kid and everything. So about six or seven months ago, my wife comes to me and she goes, hey, I'm going to change the cable package to save us like $15 a month. She's like, but you won't lose any of your stations. Oh, no. Now, for the record, I don't have any stations. I don't really watch TV. Mm-hmm. All I have are sports. Yeah. And the cable package alteration resulted in the loss of the MLB network, NBA TV, NFL network, all the ESPN. It's all gone. Oh, no. oh, I didn't even know they made cable without ESPN on it, but they do, mm-hmm. and I have it. And, you know, all I know is uh, we still have Bravo, so I, I can still watch all the Real Housewives uh, with her, which <laughs> I'm not bitter about at all. Yeah. And uh, it's gone. So I'm, I'm desperately trying to avoid the last damn spoilers because I think it's, it's going to air on Netflix at the, at the conclusion, and then I could just binge the whole thing. That's mm. my game plan. All right. Yeah, it airs on Netflix here because we don't have ESPN, obviously, in Canada. So uh, we get it the next day. So it's kind of a weird thing because, like, on Sunday, all social media and everything kind of blow up. And people were like, oh, I can't believe Pippen did this or Rodman did this. <laughs> and, and, like, then we got to, like, wait 24 hours to, like, oh, yeah. And then we're like, I can't believe Pippen did this. I can't believe Rodman did this. Like, so we're delayed to the conversation as well. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just I, I think it's a good idea, especially now to just like avoid social media anyway. So mm. it gives me that motivation, which is which is cool. Does it make it difficult considering that you host Pat and Jeff like sports? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hosting a sports podcast and uh not having access to literally the only sports thing going on in the world right now is is tricky. It's not as tricky when you have the actual games going on because I have the apps I'm able to watch, like, live, you know, sports, so I'm able to, like, it's not like I don't see it because it's not on cable, but this particular thing, I believe, is only on cable. So. Mm-hmm. But it, it, yeah, it definitely makes it tough because my friend Jeff, who, who co-hosts the podcast with me, just desperately wants to talk about it. And I'm like, I, I can't, like, I wish I could, but we are going to have to discuss the virtual Indianapolis 500 or whatever NASCAR did. You know, they ran, I don't know if you saw it, they ran a virtual Kentucky Derby. Yeah, with Secretariat and, With like, all the best horses yeah. of all time. Uh, I think it was Secretariat who won, right? Was that the... Secretariat, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I never got to see Secretariat race, but my dad, my dad had, like, three weird obsessions, and one of them was Secretariat. He would just tell me all the time, he'd be like, Secretariat beat these other horses by, like, 40 paces. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking six. I don't care. <laughs> yes. But it never stopped him. He was just all about that horse. Yeah. He was really into Secretariat. So I know he's happy, uh, you know, right now. What were the other two obsessions? You said he had three weird obsessions? So he retired at 60, and he died at 61. But wow. in that year, I swear to God, he was already into Secretariat. So that's that's one thing. But the two things he picked up in that year, he got really into crockpotting and the movie 51st Dates with yeah. Adam Sandler. Sandler? Yeah. 
Dude, every 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 time I talk to him, he's like, "Have you ever seen this movie, Fifty First Date? It's really good." I'm like, "You told me that, and no, it's not." Like, please, you got to stop with this fucking. He got really into Fifty First Dates and making things in a crockpot, and uh, you know. But I guess for him, that is a good day. Like, I'll give you a year, and then then, then we're done with this. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, that was one of the more weaker Adam Sandler ones too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there there were a lot of good Adam Sandler movie you could have seen uh, and he just he stuck with 50 first dates I, I, I don't know I never understood it alright well good for him yeah so the uh, roast battle uh, begins today today's uh, May 7 right so it begins and you're taking on New York City you also have another person representing Philadelphia with you right yes uh, Mecky Leeper who uh, also now lives out in LA and we, uh, we hopped on the phone earlier and discussed some jokes and uh, yeah, I mean that kid is super fucking funny, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Okay, I'll put the link and everything like that too. Uh, but where can people find uh, you online to talk about or to say, hey, you got nice jokes? <laughs> I am uh, I'm on all social media at Pat Barker Comedy. And when I say all, I mean Instagram and Twitter, like the big ones. Like don't look on TikTok, I'm not there. But at Pat Barker Comedy, and uh, yeah, if if you like sports. Please listen to Pat and Jeff like sports. Um, I think uh, I think we have an amazing sports podcast that not a lot of people listen to. So um, give that a shot if you're if you're a sports guy. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned this a little bit, but I want to come back to it. Like, are you struggling a little bit? I know you don't have the cable package anymore, but now with the absence of all sports, are you struggling a little bit, or like, are you trying to pick oh, up a new hobby, or like crockpotting or something? I da- I downloaded I purchased this computer simulation baseball game. <laughs> and I'm just GMing. I'm I'm in the year 2029 right now. My wife is ready to fucking throw my computer out the window. She's <laughs> she's so sick of this thing. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just GMing and just like that. I'm that's those are the only sports I have right now. I'm dying for something to come back. And to the point where like I remember when they first said like oh they might play games without fans. I was like dude that's dumb. Nobody wants to see that. Now I am desperate. I'm like I don't care if we never let fans in ever again. Mm-hmm. Like. Just, get somebody on a field or a court so I can watch something here. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I know this is a tangent, but because the um, NBA season was about like three quarters done, more or less, there was about 10, 12 games left for each team. It was just the sudden abruptness of it. And you're like, oh, you're like right there. Uh, so it was super frustrating just as the playoffs and everything were going to begin. And then it just like all stopped. And I understand everything, but I'm like, oh, we were so close. Yeah, for sure. If you're a fan of one of the like big six teams, like the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Raptors, uh, it's maybe Sixers. Um, yeah, that absolutely sucks because you're like, this was our year. You know, this was um, this was the year that you know it was all going to come together. And it's still, man, I don't think they're they're, they're going to have the playoffs. I'd be stunned if they just ended up calling this season and not having the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Even if they're in a, in a gym somewhere, I think we'll do it. I think every every commissioner, when they saw the ratings that the NFL draft got, just immediately started salivating. Like, this is our time where everybody is actually in front of their TV. We have to get something on right now. So I think the NBA has a, a really good reason to want to come back. It's going to be weird, for sure. And uh, selfishly, I'm, I'm upset because I, I had tickets to see the Clippers play against Zion Williamson. Oh yeah. Three days after after the the shutdown, so I you know I'm gonna miss out on that. But I'm just yeah I'm desperate for anything. They gotta get it done. 
Yeah, I think too the there's starting to be reports now that Ben Simmons might be healthy enough to play, like because of the extended time. So if that's true, then that actually helped you guys out too. You know, it's a double-edged sword because yes, uh, this will help Ben Simmons' recovery, and uh, I'm thrilled about that. But Joel Embiid is going to gain 130 pounds on quarantine. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> That dude, I don't know if you've ever seen his diet. He'll eat like 12 Chick-fil-A sandwiches a day. Mm-hmm. With bad. the milkshakes, it's too. Real bad. The milkshakes, the candy, he's really into like all that. And I am, I'm terrified to see what he looks like when he comes back. You know, he's going to be looking like Shaq on the Celtics. It's going to be really bad. <laughs> yes. But fingers crossed, we'll see. It's better than nothing, no matter what we get. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, so the Coast to Coast Roast uh, begins today. I'll put the link up. And uh, thank you, Pat Barker, for taking some time during quarantine to uh, hang out with me and talk with me. We covered a lot. We covered that Santa deserved to get booed by the Philadelphia Eagle fans. Uh, We covered (laughs) that Jeff Ross is a nice guy. We covered the fact that uh, you don't have the ESPN package anymore and that uh, Bill Simmons uh, likes miscarriage jokes. Is that about cover it? (laughs) I think we covered all the base. (laughs) Right? We got all the good stuff in there. So, yeah. Uh, before I let you go, uh, there's uh, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this dude for um, I think he writes for Undefeated. I'm drawing a blank now, but he wrote a book on the 76ers, tanking the process. Did you have a chance to read that? No, I heard that recommended through another podcast that I'm really into called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez. Yeah, that's the 76ers podcast. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, and uh, I've I've spoken a few times with, with one of the hosts of that um, about some different things and. He's a good guy, and um, I, I, I love listening to him. And I heard all the hype around that book. I, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I, I do intend to at some point. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting, and he does bring up the Embiid weight and the milkshakes and all that stuff too. So it's very similar like, to the, like, the Last Dance because now once he put that book out, you get to hear all these different podcasts and doing him doing interviews and stuff like this, and people just kind of open all these feelings up, whether they like the process or they hated the process or what they, what they thought of the 76ers. It becomes this lightning rod. Where like like I was saying with the last dance, where people now can just discuss all these feelings that they had pent up. Yeah, people have a lot of feelings towards the the process from other like league owners to like fans and you know whatever else. But I, any Sixers fan who I I mean I'll I'll fist fight somebody over this. I, I I don't understand the perspective of anybody who's like it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. This is the most entertaining era of Sixers basketball since Iverson was in his prime. Mm-hmm. And the alternative was, like, Andre Iguodala leading us to 44 wins every year for the rest of eternity mm-hmm. and then losing in the first round. And I just I, – I couldn't do it. Like, this is, a, this is way, way better. And it was a plan. Like, the Knicks have just been, like, perennial losers more or less for the last 20 years. So at least the 76 yeah. had a plan in place for, like, five or six years, and we'll do this, we'll eat it. And then hopefully, like you said, this is the most exciting era of – Sixers basketball, but whereas the Knicks, it's like, well, we don't know what we're doing this year, but let's try it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I would much rather have this than, than giving, you know, a, a max deal to a, a guy coming off an Achilles injury or, or whatever, like these other teams are doing. Like this is a, it's been it's been very successful, and uh, it was worth the bad stuff to to get to the good stuff, uh, especially if the good stuff includes a championship. That that will be a key. Yeah, and before I let you go too, I was also when we were talking about the. Um, the upcoming playoffs, if it ever does happen or how it happens. I was always curious to see how Houston would go with this whole microball thing, too. This seemed a little too weird, and I'm like, I can't sign off on this. This, <laughs> this is a little too much for me. Every, every single time I had any sort of thought on, on the Rockets for the last five years, I've been wrong every time. I've just stopped offering opinions on them. 
when they when they got Chris Paul, I said they couldn't win with with James Harden and Chris Paul, and then they they would have beat the the, the Warriors if Chris Paul didn't get injured. Mm-hmm. Then they moved on from Chris Paul, and they got Russell Westbrook, and I was like, well, this is never going to work, and it was working. So, and then they then they traded everybody on the team over six foot five or whatever they did at the deadline. They're playing with Robert Covington as like a small ball five, I'm, and in my head, I'm like, this is ridiculous, and it's never going to work. But every time I've said that, uh, I've been proved wrong. So I'm just keeping my mouth shut on the Rockets. Good for them. Whatever they whatever they get done. Uh, and again, much like the process, you just got to respect somebody for, for like having a plan and going for it all the way instead of like, you know, just sort of middling and playing it safe. So I, I respect Daryl Morey for that, even if that's not how I would do it. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about the Raptors always kind of like finding ways to not necessarily do like a, a rebuild all the time. And the Rockets are the same way. They've managed to stay really competitive for the last like, I don't know how many years. But doing really innovative things where I'm like, like you said, I'm like, I'm not really sure if this is going to work. And that's why I really want to see it in the playoffs because I'm like, regular season's whatever. But like, I want to see this thing, like, I want to see this thing take the corners and see how it handles uh, the pressure and everything else of the playoffs. So hopefully we get a chance to see that. Yeah, and, and we will. We will. Everybody out there, it's, you know, keep the faith. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to see some playoff basketball. And um, if, if my predictions uh, are anything like they normally are, the Rockets will win the championship in the sweep. Okay, that's good. We can end it there. Thanks so much, uh, Pat Barker, for taking some time. I really do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck in the coast-to-coast roast. Uh, you got this. I believe in you. I appreciate that, man. It was my pleasure. You have a good one, all right? All right, bye-bye. All right, take care. Fresh. Keep it going, ladies and gentlemen, for Pat Barker. And clap for yourselves for hanging out with me instead of watching Netflix. As Pat and I discussed, you can get tickets and details for Coast to Coast Roast at heliumpresents.com. And the net proceeds go to Mental Health America. You really should check this out. This is going to be a lot of fun. If you want to roast me, I'm at my pal Sammy for Twitter, IG, and Facebook. I'll be there all week. My pal Sammy. Don't forget to tip your waitress. And remember, no matter how savage the roast is, never let them see you cry. Roast, yo.